craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. Moving to verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I'll preach for a few minutes this morning on this topic. The same side of two coins. The same side of two coins. And if we could pray one more time and ask God to bless the remainder of our message, that all of his heart would be manifest today. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for the presence of the Lord that we are experiencing here today. Your power and your authority is manifest in this house. Victory is assured your people, thou most high, if we'll turn them over to you, if we'll allow you to fight for us, Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray your continued blessing on your people throughout the remainder of this service. Heal, deliver, save, bless, restore, provide, whatever the needs are this morning. And that our hearts would turn toward you in all things. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. In this passage of Scripture, it starts off by explaining that we've received a ministry. Verse 1 says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, it continues on. If we took the time to look at the previous chapter, chapter 3, we see that there are two ministries mentioned by Paul. The ministry of condemnation, which is the Old Testament law. And the ministry of righteousness, which is the ministry we have today. The ministry of condemna- condemnation, of course, is the Old Testament law, the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots, the external enforcement of God's character on us, because there was nothing in here that could enforce God's character of itself. We were spiritually dead, and because of that, 
God had to externally enforce laws and precepts and judgments and commandments to enforce and to uh, to force His people, as it were, to demonstrate the character of God. They couldn't do it of themselves. They couldn't know the character of God themselves. It had to be revealed to them through Moses and the Old Testament law, the giving of the law in Mount Horeb. They failed at that time and time and time again. The history of Israel is one of failure after failure after failure. There are moments of obedience. There are moments where God was able to bless His people. But for the most part, we see a history of error and failure. But not so in the New Covenant. The ministry today is one of righteousness. It's one of the inward man. Today we have the ability and we have the desire to do those things that please God. Where before we were spiritually dead and set aside apart from the presence of God. Now we are brought nigh by the blood of Christ. Amen. The ministry of righteousness is one of life. The ministry of condemnation, one of death. Our ministry today is to take away the spiritual blindness people have so that they will come to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that those that are lost are blind. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded them. The Scripture talks about Moses having a veil over his face. In chapter 3, Moses had a veil over his face so that he could shield God's people from his presence, that reflection of God that was resident on his face. He spent so much time in the direct presence of God that his face literally shone. And it was so bright that the people couldn't stand to look on him. So when he spoke to the people, he had to... He had to cover the presence of God. But when he went in before God, he could take the veil off. The Bible also speaks about a veil in the tabernacle. Separating the holy place from the holy of holies. That veil was done away with on the cross. When Jesus died, the temple veil was rent in twain, signifying that we now have free access to the presence of God. The ministry of life, the ministry of righteousness is ours today. And rather than coming to someone with the ministry of condemnation, which is all the Old Testament law can do, you have sinned and you have come short of the glory of God. That's the extent of the law. It's a ministry of death. You're facing death. You're facing eternal damnation because of your sins. But thank God we don't have to stop there today. We can extend to them life. We can extend to them another option. But Jesus Christ suffered on a cross and died for your sins. You don't have to pay the price yourself. Jesus wants to pay them for you. 
And so we have the ministry today of righteousness. We can extend life through the blood of Jesus Christ to all those who are today lost. The power and the authority of God is resident in His children. But that treasure is present today in earthen vessels. We have this this dichotomy, this almost contradiction that we live in today. We have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Those that have been baptized in Jesus' name, those that have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, have power and authority. We spoke on Wednesday that you have unlimited power resident in you through the Holy Ghost. Literally, unlimited power. How powerful is God? How much power does God have? That's who you have inside. But it's present in earthen vessels. We have all of that power. We have the authority that God has given us through His name. But we still reside in these bodies of death and decay. These bodies will not be redeemed. These bodies will not be saved. They're going to the dust from whence they came. They will not be redeemed. And until, until we die, or until Jesus comes and raptures us, we are resident in this body of flesh, this earthen vessel, with the struggles, its temptations, its stupidity, its craziness, its weakness. Inside this earthen vessel, we will suffer sickness and disease. We're going to suffer pain and loss, disappointment. We're going to suffer in this this earthen vessel. It's a vessel of death. It's assigned to death. One guy said, I don't know if it was a singer or what, but the day we're born, we begin to die. And there's, I mean, it seems a little depressing, but there's a measure of truth in that. Because this earthen vessel is assigned to that fate. It's going to die. And God can heal us. I want, I want to see healings. I want to see miracles, signs, and wonders. I want to see those things. I believe God wants to do those things. But understand, God can heal me a thousand times, but should He tarry, I'm still going to die. I'm still going to fulfill the number of my days. That wasn't God's original plan. Death was never supposed to be a part of His creation. But because of sin, sin breeds death. And so all of us, should the Lord tarry someday, we're all going to die. At least physically. This flesh is going to turn into dust. So in our flesh... We experience death. But in the spirit, the inner man, we experience life. We experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That man will live forever. That man will never die. That can be good or that can be bad. We, all of us, are going to spend eternity somewhere. 
Where that is, is entirely up to us. It is our choice. And we can wish, and we can hope, and we can desire a different fate, a different plan, a different option. But there are two and only two options that God has given us, and that we have. Despite how you feel about it, despite how you, how you love it or hate it, it doesn't matter. We have two and only two options. And it doesn't matter what you think about it. It doesn't matter how I feel about it. I can go into Scripture and I can twist it and warp it and I can come up with a third option, a fourth option, and I can convince myself that that's true and that's right. But it's not. And when I stand before the judgment seat, no matter how desperately I believed that error, it's going to be shown to me that I believed a lie. And there'll be nothing I can do about it. Nothing. Within the sound of my voice today, there are, there are those potentially hanging on the precipice. I don't know where everyone's at. You don't know where I'm at. God knows where we're at. You know where you're at. And I tell you, if I could if I could force people at gunpoint to live for God, that was an option. I think I'd probably do it. But it's not an option. When you know something's true, And you try to find every conceivable way possible to explain to someone else why it's true. I've spent the better part of my entire life in church trying to do exactly that. Trying to find different ways, different methods, different ways of explaining, different ways of helping people to understand this is truth. Why is this true? But at the end of the day, people are blinded. At the end of the day, all I can do, the best I can do, is to show people that what they believe presently might be wrong. I need God to show them what truth is. I need God to show people what is right. And if you're not looking for truth, it's going to be really hard to find it. Because I've discovered this as well as well as some of you. Those that enter the kingdom of God will do so on purpose. It won't be an accident. It won't be a... Oh, I'm in heaven. Yay! Now you're going to know beforehand where you're going. 
There are two coins represented in this message, this passage of Scripture. Both sides are being reflected. The same side is being reflected. One of life, one of death. It's not the sides that are different, it's the coins. In this world, we are called to reflect both the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In our bodies, we represent his death. We suffer. We get tired. We get hungry. We get sick. Our flesh is subject in and of itself to all the power of the enemy. Jesus' flesh died. His flesh was ripped apart. His blood was spilt. His flesh was shredded. And he died. But the spiritual side of him, the Bible says, he could not be holden of death. It was impossible for the God of life to suffer death. He chose to willingly lay his life down for a period of time. And when, it, when he was ready, he picked it back up again. That's God. That's what God does. But these two coins, life and death, flesh and spirit, we live with both. We live with both. The death of Jesus Christ, the older I get, the more effectively I can represent that. Amen. But my inward man needs to be able to represent his resurrection. The life that Jesus represents. The life that he gives. The life that he can present, does present, and can give to every person that He gave to you and me. The life of Jesus Christ is what we like to focus on. But we can't get to that life until we go through the death. We see in New Testament salvation that death comes first. Repentance is death. We die out to the old man. We suffer death to ourselves. That comes first. If we don't experience that, we will never experience new life. Except Jesus died on the cross. We could not experience life today. In the spiritual, we're called to conquer, to be mighty, to destroy strongholds, to run through the ranks of the armies of the enemy, to bear in our spirits the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And there's the dichotomy. We have the power of everlasting life resident in a temple of death, a vessel of death. That's the way God chose it to be. 
As we present Jesus to this world, we present both sides. His death and His resurrection. In our earthen vessels, we can relate to where people are at. You're sick? I've been sick. You've experienced this loss? I've experienced loss. I've experienced pain, disappointment, betrayal. We've experienced all of these things. Sometimes from a brother or sister. And since that came out, let me say something else. People are going to disappoint you. You're going to disappoint people too. That's what people do. That's who people are. I'm going to disappoint you. Let me get that out of the way. I, I don't mean to. I'm going to hurt you. I don't mean to. I don't want to. <laughs> But at some point, I'm going to. And I'm going to be really sorry about it. At some point, you're going to hurt and disappoint me. You don't mean to. You don't want to. But you're going to. That's what people do. We've got to make allowances for people. We've got to make allowances for each other. Let's get a little bit thicker skin. It's okay. It's okay to take a few bumps and bruises. It's not going to kill us. We're not going to die. It hurts. It does hurt. It does. But let's move on. What did we do to Jesus? How does he respond in kind? That's all I ever have to think about. Someone hurts me and I start getting that... Righteous indignation, that righteous anger. <clears throat> I have to stop and think. How many times have I hurt Jesus? How many times have I stabbed him in the back, betrayed him, walked away from him? And what? how did he respond to me? He did everything he could to bring me back, to woo me back. We can't do anything less. People are going to hurt us. In this flesh, we're going to suffer these things. It may not be fair. It may not be right. But this life isn't fair. And you're not always going to experience right. Actually, to be perfectly honest, Anything good that we do experience isn't fair. It's not right. Everything bad I experience, now that's fair. That's just. That's right. Of myself, I don't deserve any good thing. In myself, there is no good thing. If I receive anything good, that's mercy. That's grace. It's not justice. It's not righteousness. It's mercy. There are people in our lives that we, we reach out to, we pray for. That are blind. 
They are spiritually blind. And it can be frustrating speaking with them. It can be frustrating trying to speak with them. But please understand, this is a spiritual endeavor. This is a spiritual exercise. There are things that we can do and we need to do in the natural. Speaking, explaining, teaching Bible studies, exhorting to people the Word of God, truth. But it's God that's going to open their heart and minds to receive that truth. We can try cramming it down their throat. We can try presenting it to them in in any number of ways, and I've tried. But at the end of the day, it's, it's God that takes that veil away. It's only God that can take that veil away. So we pray that God will, that people will receive spiritual sight to see the truth. We understand what the consequences are for both. Those of us who've had our veils removed. We understand the consequences of the good consequences of choosing to serve God and the horrific consequences of choosing not to. We understand that. They don't. And so we pray and we fast and we call out to God. that they will see both the death of Jesus and his life represented in us. In our flesh, we bear in our bodies his death, but our inner man bears to the world the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God has placed in each of us an unlimited power for him to use according to his will. But he placed it in these earthen vessels that the glory would be his. Only God could store his unlimited power in something as fragile as this. If I tried to enter into a chamber, a nuclear reaction, it would destroy me pretty quickly. The heat, the radiation, it would burn me up. But resident within me is an infinitely more powerful source of energy. If I can refer to it like that. And it doesn't do anything to my body. It's very fascinating. God's desire to use that power, that authority through us, through these earthen vessels to demonstrate to this world Jesus Christ. All of Jesus. Not a portion. Not the part we like the most. All of Him. When we're teaching Scripture, we teach all of it. Not our favorite verses. Not our pet Scriptures. All of it. We believe all of it. We adhere to all of it. We apply all of it. 
Jesus is more than simply love or mercy or grace. He's also more than just judgment and righteousness and holiness. He's all of these things. He's all of them. And we have got to represent all of that to this world. Demonstrating Jesus. Doing what He did. Saying what He said. We need to pray that God will open the blind eyes of those who are lost. We need to... We need to pray. We are praying. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that this is a praying church. You have no idea what that means to me. That this is a praying church. God can work through a praying church. We need to pray that God will open our eyes to what is truly possible when we allow Him to work through us the way He desires. It could be true that our eyes are blind as well. Blind to tradition, blind to what we've experienced in the past, good or bad. Traditions are, for the most part, good things. Remove not the old landmark which thy fathers have set. It's scriptural, and we ought to adhere to that. But at the same time, if our traditions don't match up with Scripture, then they ought not to have been set in the first place. I am always examining if what we're doing lines up with Scripture. We all ought to be doing that. In our own lives, is what I'm doing, saying, preaching, teaching, does it line up with Scripture? As a church, we've got to line up with Scripture. God has a desire in this city, this county, in your families. He has a desire to see the lost saved, to see His saints perfected, to see ministries born and come to fruition. He desires to see all of these things. But we've got to do it His way. On His timetable. If we don't, if we jump the gun, if we do things differently than He's wanting, we're, we're not going to get to where He wants us to be. And we've got to get where He wants us to be. That God would open our eyes. And help us to see that He has a way to do things. When Jesus was here on earth, He did ministry a specific way. That's a good starting place for us. I'm all for programs and, and different things like that. Nothing wrong with them. Uh, if they work, great. We'll keep doing them. Uh, but if they don't, that's fine. We'll try something else. Programs come and go. 
But doctrine, Scripture, that remains. The will of God, that remains. And as much as possible, in everything we do, we need to adhere to the plan of God, both in our lives, in our families, this church body. Amen. Then, and only then, can God bless us the way He wants to. He wants to bless us. He wants our ministries to produce fruit. He died on a cross to see it. He died on a cross so that you and I could go out and be used of God to see others come in to this so great salvation so that God can use them to bring others into this so great salvation, etc., etc., etc. When something is living, it's supposed to be growing. God is a God of life, not death. We suffered death once at repentance. He suffered death once at Calvary. But now life everlasting. Life everlasting. That's God's plan for all people. Let's all stand.